Hey, I'm Drew, and you're listening to episode 11 of the Citizen Coder Podcast. In this episode, I talked to Will McGugan, founder of a startup called Textualize. We discussed the challenges of growing a startup, building terminal apps, employee retention, DNA, and so much more. Let's dive in. Hey, Will. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about how you got started programming and got into tech? Sure. Hi, Drew. Um, well, I guess it goes <laughs> way, way back to uh, the 80s. Um, mm. My mother bought me a ZX Spectrum Plus. That's a, you don't know, it's a British 8-bit computer. Okay. Uh, one, of the, one of the first like home computers that went mainstream, and yeah. I used it to play games. And at some point, started tinkering, um, wrote some basic games. And after a few years, I tried assembly. And uh, I guess, I don't know, I guess uh, I just found my calling <laughs> way back then. <laughs> nice. Uh, I was going to say, I wonder if that how that compares to the Commodore 64, but I guess um, that came much later. <laughs> um, it was a similar era. I think that the Spectrum came out first, um, but then the Commodore um, came out not that long after so um a lot of uh, british developers uh, of, of my age they either had a, a spectrum or a commodore <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i i got um i started playing with computers on a, on a commodore i didn't really get yeah. into programming until uh about five years ago or so but all right uh, i definitely played a lot of games on it <laughs> yeah well the, the programming i did when i was i don't know just 10 or 11 or something you know it was it was like very simple stuff it's like 10 print hello 20 go to 10 <laughs> but you gotta start somewhere yeah exactly um what about uh what about getting your first job in tech did um first job in tech yeah um i did two years of a bsc uh, in computing and dropped at university mm. And I got this job uh, with a video games company, and they were uh, making a a video game at the time, and I was very excited to do that. And I was working C plus plus. Um. So yeah, that that was my that was my very first job. What was the What was the game? Um. What was it called? Um. I can't remember. There was two games they had. I guess a long time ago. Um. I think one was Big Robots. You know the type mm. of big robots that you climb into and you fight with, and nice. then there's another one which is a bit like, um, uh, a bit like Lara Croft type of game. Uh, the, oh, the, yeah. the game company I worked for they they stopped making games, and they never actually released anything, oh, <laughs> which man. is uh, disappointed. But um, you know, it got me my foot in the door. Yeah, for sure. That's probably pretty common in the games industry, I imagine. Yeah, it's very um cyclical. Goes goes up and down and. Um, it's changed quite a lot in recent years, but in at my time, you know, there was lots of new companies coming up that went bust, and there was waves of 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 boom and bust all all throughout the you know first decade. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you um ever work at any other gaming companies after that? Or yeah, a few. Um, I worked for a company called um, Red Lemon Studios. Uh, they released a, a few games. Uh, notably, they, they made um, a game about Braveheart. You know the, the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't start out as 
the game of the movie. It started out as just a game set in Scotland where, where you had um, Highlanders that you could fight with other other tribes, but then they got the license and it became Braveheart. <laughs> that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you uh, you play many games now or play any? Um, I don't really. Um, you know, I want to, um, but whenever I, you know, have the time, I tend to play classic games. I tend to go back to um, Doom and, and Quake mm. and Unreal. I just don't seem to have the patience now to to pick up a new game and learn controls. I, I think that might might be a a sign of aging. <laughs> uh, I used to play. Uh... Unreal, like Unreal Tournament, is that what you're talking mm. about? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Oh, that game yeah. was awesome. That was like one yeah. of the first uh, first person shooters I ever played. Um, yeah, we used, to, we used to have like land parties. We get together and just plug all our equipment in and <laughs> yeah. shoot it. Out. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, it was such a blast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're working on a on a uh, Python framework for building apps for the terminal. Is that right? Um, yeah, that's right. Um, for building two apps, as we call them, text user interfaces. Text user um, I'm sure if you're a developer, you've encountered these kind of apps before. Things like, um, well, you've got editors like like Pi and tools like HTOP. Mm. Um, but they, they, you, when you run them, you can tell that they come from like a certain era of computing they do look um somewhat old-fashioned mm-hmm. um but i've we've been working on like some ways of uh making those apps more glossy uh more usable and and more user-friendly oh that sounds cool yeah i'm i'm actually not a developer at least not in my day job all right okay yeah i've been i've been learning to program for a while uh maybe I don't know, maybe four or five years or so. Um, I played with a lot of different languages and mm. just, uh, you know, um, I wrap my head around <laughs> program. Mm. Uh, and uh, I'm currently in a uh, a boot camp for Elixir. I don't know if you ever heard of that that language. Um, yeah, I've heard of it. Never used it though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so. What, uh, where did you get this idea for building apps in the terminal? I mean, they're not, yeah, um, at least not, not super common, but well, they, they, they go, they go way back, actually. Um, apps in the terminal, they, well, the terminal goes way, way back to even before the computing era, mm-hmm. and apps in the terminal go back to before the web and the desktop. So it's been around for a while, but no one's ever thought that you could modernize them. Um, so I guess it all started um, it was about three years ago. Um, I started working on this library for Python. Um, it's called Rich, and it allows you to write pretty uh, formatted output into the terminal. Um, things like uh, like tables and and progress bars and syntax highlighting, things that were mm-hmm. absolutely possible before, but they were quite quite tricky to do. Um, there was no one library that did everything. There was lots of uh, lots of libraries that did individually each feature, and they didn't work too well together. So you can, um, you know, put some syntax highlighted text inside a table, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wrote this this library with the intention of 
um, integrating all these features. So if you're a developer, you could add some elegant output to your terminal app um, with just this one library. Um, and I was pleased, you know, when I got the first uh, first dozen stars on, on GitHub, but then it really exploded. And it was in like, you know, tens of thousands of stars. We're up to 40,000 stars at the moment. Wow. Um, so I think that's, so at the time it was a, very much a hobby project, but I think um, I, I got in there just as a kind of a renaissance in terminals. I think people are starting to realize that, you know, they've had this, uh, a lot of developers will open a terminal uh, on the browser just, just for the entire day. Mm -hmm. I think people are starting to realize that they can get more out of a terminal. You know, it can, it can do more for them. So when they're been used to staring at, um, you know, pages and pages of monochrome text, uh, now, now they want syntax highlighting and nice formatting. So I think I just got there at the right time to, to ride that wave of, of popularity in the terminal. Yeah. You, you gotta have syntax highlighting. <laughs> yeah, but that was very, very difficult to do previously. It was like if you've written a a tool, um, maybe it took you two or three works to do, two or three weeks to do, mm -hmm. um, and then you wanted to add some syntax highlighting and a bit of formatting, and you realized, oh, that would take me another few weeks to do. Um, so you just you just didn't do it. So people are using all these tools, um, and they're not getting um very elegant output. Um, the browser is, you know, the browser is getting, you know, during this time is getting more beautiful and more beautiful. Yeah. Um, but the terminal is remaining stuck um, with output that looks still like it did 20 years ago. <laughs> what, um, what, what kind of limitations are there to, to making a terminal app versus something on mm. the web? Well, so the, the terminal, um, all you've got to play with is essentially a grid of characters. So each uh, each grid, you know, is, is split into like horizontal and vertical rows. Uh, each character can be one of two colors. It can have a, a background color and a foreground color, mm -hmm. and that's pretty much it. That's all you've got to play with. But you can also use some Unicode characters to draw uh, lines and um, other symbols. Mm -hmm. So with a little bit of uh, creativity, you can put those together. And you can create various uh, user interface elements which are more familiar to people. You know, you can have um, uh, menus and, and sidebars and, and, and drop downs, etc., and nice borders around text. So now, um, using our library, Textual, uh, you can create applications which your average Joe uh, would find familiar. You know, if you were to hand it over to someone who wasn't a developer, um, they would be instantly at home with a textual mm. app. You know, it, it's got all the usual controls. It's got um, scroll bars and everything kind of works like you'd expect it to. So we've discovered that um, we can, you know, we've leapfrogged from like 20 year old uh, interfaces in the terminal to, to something which looks fairly modern. I mean, it, it's still, these apps, they still look a little bit retro because they mm. are on a grid of characters, um, but other than that, they, they're very, very familiar to to you know anyone who uses a web, which is you know everyone these days. Wow, that's crazy. Mm. Um, 
do you have some sort of uh, plan for like monetization or? Um, yeah, yeah. Like um, so ultimately, um, part of the problem with these apps mm-hmm. is that right now, um, it's exclusively for developers. Mm. Um, it's not like it's not like anyone is um gatekeeping or anything. It's just that most non-developers aren't that familiar with the terminal. Yeah. Um, which is a um a big limitation. You know, um, when you write a UI, you want generally want other people to use it, not just yourself. Sure. So the fact that you can only send it to developers is a is a problem. And what we want to do is provide um, various ways of getting those apps into the hands of other people. And uh, one of the ways we want to do that is with a web service where essentially you can build one of these apps that runs in a terminal and you can flick a switch and then all of a sudden the application is now running in the browser and is much like a web application. So mm. once we have that, we have a very easy way of building both terminal apps and a web app and a desktop app. And then we can um, charge for services on top of that. Mm. So there's a, I think there's, a, there's, there's quite a few opportunities there. Things like um, authentication. Um, you know, If you build an app, you might not want to open it to the world. You might want to open it to your organization. Um, mm-hmm. So we can supply an authentication API. Um, it'll be very you know generous free tier, but if you're a larger company, um, you would you would pay us to manage a, a pool pool of users, that kind of thing. Oh, okay, all right, that that makes sense. I was <clears throat> I was kind of curious how because I think on your website it says it's open source, and I was curious mm. how that might. I assume that's gonna that's gonna stay that way. Oh, it's definitely gonna stay uh, open source. Um, what we're doing is called um, open core. Mm-hmm. That means you've got um, um, an open source project, which um, is you know, it's not proprietary. It's, it's free to to free as in beer and, and free as in mm-hmm. liberty. Anyone can see the code and distribute it as normal. But then we also add um, a tangential service, which larger companies will want to use in addition to the open source part. So if all you want to do is is a create an application and terminal that's always going to be free and open source and no restrictions. Um, but if you want to distribute that on the web for your, um, you know, top one thousand company, maybe Google or Microsoft or something, then then you would pay us. Oh, okay, all right, that's cool. Mm-hmm. How did you um, how did you wind up in that situation? Uh, you went from you're basically building this as a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it started out as a hobby. Rich started out as just a hobby. Um, so it was it was last year um, I was building this, and mm-hmm. what well, I thought plan A uh, was to take a year off, um, live off savings. Uh, I calculated that I could live off savings uh, for a year, and then at that point maybe I would have something I could build a business around, um, mm-hmm. or worst case scenario. Um, I'll just have to get a, a regular day job again. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was a good plan. Um, but it didn't transpire that way. I ended up talking to some uh, venture capital firms and mm. uh, we got funded. So at the beginning of the year, um, we had um, you know, a lot of money, enough funding for the next um, three or four years. And uh, I could hire, hire developers to work on it with me. 
Oh, that's pretty. That's pretty nuts. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, now that look, it happened so quickly. To be honest. Yeah, um, and I, I guess that that definitely shows interest, um, at least from, I guess, uh, larger companies. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, you know, there was kind of a resurgence in the terminal. Um, at the time, there was a number of other startups working in the terminal, and when a, you know, a venture capital com- company sees that, they see that there's a, a possible um, development in the, the tech world. Um, mm. They want to be there on the ground floor. And yeah. uh, because I was already so far ahead, um, building rich, build, you know, building, creating like uh, beautiful output in a terminal, um, I just seemed to be like in the, you know, the right position at the right time to start building a company around this. Mm. What was it like quitting your job for a <laughs> start working on a personal project? Um, it was a relief. I mean, I, I quit the job before before we got funded. Um, I was going to take that year off to to reduce my stress levels. You know, I was going to work on the project. Um, yeah, but probably at a more relaxed pace than I am now. And uh, it was it was a relief. You know, I'd be working since I was um twenty two, mm. and which is like 20, more than 25 years. And I was, I was looking forward to that year off. Yeah, a year off would be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, now my stress levels are higher than ever and I'm working even more than ever. So there you go. <laughs> life, life just doesn't uh, give you what you want exactly. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Mm. Uh, has it been like fun? Are you, I mean, I assume you're enjoying it. You're working on. Yeah. It, it has been fun, yeah. I mean, there's certain aspects of it which aren't fun. Um, you know, in, in the tech world, because I've been working for 25 years and working with Python for over 10 years, um, you get this nice, comforting feeling that you can handle any, like, related tech issue that, that comes your way. Uh, yeah. It's comforting. Um, but when I got into, you know, building a company and I realized there was huge gaps in my knowledge um, I didn't like that, you know. I, I didn't, I didn't understand lots of the legal stuff and uh, and accountancy and how you run a business and and pay taxes. Uh, I've kind of I've adapted and learned, but that bit wasn't much fun. Mm. Um, but the development is fun, you know. Um, I did I started doing this stuff because I loved it because it was it was fun. It fascinated me, and I could be a bit creative. Um, and that bit's fun, and certainly working with other people. Um, who also enjoy that. Um, yeah. That's a lot of fun as well. And um, it has to be a bit fun because I wouldn't work so hard um, sure. if it wasn't so fun. So I went from a year off to a startup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the year off didn't last very long. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's crazy. Um, yeah. One of the things I've always been interested in is uh, the startups and especially uh, tech startups. Um, it's always kind of interesting to see how, how, uh, small projects go from, you know, one to the next. And a lot Mm. of people that, you know, I follow a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of them are, they're thinking about, you know, turning their project into a startup or Mm. turning this and, you know, so, but, but that wasn't really on your mind, was it at first? No, not, not at all. I mean, um. I think most startups um, 
the people behind them very much intended to to build a startup. Maybe it was their dream. It's what they they worked they worked towards. Maybe they had several failed attempts of taking a project project to like venture capital firms and been knocked back and eventually succeeded. Mm. Um, but not for me. Not for me. Um, I didn't think of um running a startup, um, or becoming a CEO. Any of that that wasn't in the cards. I would be happy just to be in the background writing interesting code. Um, so yeah, it wasn't wasn't my intention to to becoming becoming a CEO. But there you go. How many um how many people you have working with you now? Um, we have three developers, uh, including myself. So it's a very small company. Uh, mm-hmm. And by the end of the year, we'll have uh, four developers in total. So still be a very small company, at least for a while yet. Yeah. Is uh, everybody working remote or? Um, currently, no, everyone's in Edinburgh, which is nice. Um, I did used to work remote myself, mm-hmm. um, but I think at this very early stage, it's quite good to have people uh, in the same room that you can bounce ideas off of. Uh, I found it's, um, it's great for brainstorming. Um, the, the fourth developer, he's based in, in Portugal. Um, so mm. I think going forward, it's going to be a hybrid of um, a, a local base in Edinburgh, Scotland, um, and possibly remote employees, just see how it works out. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think there's there's definitely a lot of value in having people there that you can kind of bounce, you know, bounce ideas off of or... yeah. You know, yeah. just kind of communicate with, especially in early stage. You know, if you're, um, you know, depending on what what you're all working on, uh, who handles like the the business side of things? Is that mainly you? Um, the very very high level business side of things is me. Um, my my wife and PA, uh, she handles the kind of uh, the the admin, mm. uh, which to be honest is the majority of the work. Uh, most of what I do is, although I am a CEO. Um, this early stage, I'm more of a CTO, so I'm like a mm-hmm. chief technical officer. Um, and I, I rely on my wife to handle the um, admin and accountancy and communicate with lawyers and things. Um, so, yeah, it's a nice uh, division of labor at the moment. Yeah, nice. Um, you know, a lot of people shy away from working with family members, but um, I've always, I've always, in, I've, I've had some other uh, endeavors <laughs> that weren't, right. uh, you know, um tech well i guess they were tech related but um and my my wife's always you know helped me out um she's always really good at mm. kind of back end stuff yeah my, my wife's more organized than me and she's got more patience she's got an infinite amount of patience for some things where i've got very little uh-huh well you're scottish i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i temper. say yeah, I was gonna say I say that as someone that's part Scottish. So, <laughs> right. Uh, that's funny. Um, how's the uh, how's the weather over there? By the way, does it rain as much as um as you hear? As um, it's, hear? it's 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 pretty miserable, but um, Scottish weather's not as bad as you see in the movies. I don't know if you see in a movie with Highlanders or something, then it's just yeah, constantly it's always, raining. It's always raining. Yeah. Um, it's not quite as bad as that. It's just dull. For the next six months, it's just going to be dull. We're not going to see the sun for six months. Everybody's going to be really pale. Oh, weird. Yeah. Mm. Where is it? You're based. I am. I'm in Arkansas. 
Um, is that a hot state or? Yeah, yeah. Arkansas is kind of a. I'm trying to think how to put it. So, spring and and fall are kind of the nice months, and then win- winter's kind of weird here. Like we don't get a whole lot of snow. We may get yeah. kind of an occasional dusting, and then everybody panics and runs to the grocery store and buys milk and bread or yeah. or whatever. <laughs> um. If if we get a, any kind of bad storm, a lot of times it it's more ice than than uh, snow, and then mm-hmm. summertime's pretty much miserable for the most part. Um, we have a lot of like uh, ticks. I don't know if you guys have ticks there. Uh, yeah, got, got ticks. It's easy, quite easy to avoid though. You can just avoid them um, walking through woods, I guess. Yeah, we we this is probably like the tick capital of the world. <laughs> they don't they don't put that on the state flag do they no no but they should yeah. <laughs> they should put it post a warning instead of like a welcome sign at the at the state line yeah, like, yeah. Warning. you're now entering tech country yeah don't don't yeah. walk outside yeah. uh not not so bad in like town but um you know a lot of people here try to do outdoor stuff um there's mm-hmm. a lot of we have a lot of uh and well, where I'm at, we have a lot of man-made lakes, All right. so a lot of people are, you know, they 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 come and vacation here in the summer, and um, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of boating and fishing and that kind of stuff here, um, hunting. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, just you just don't want to go off the beaten path. Right. <laughs> unless unless you want some ticks. <laughs> yeah, or or you've already got Lyme disease and you don't care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, scary. I don't know if I could uh, handle not eating meat ever again. Yeah, yeah. What's the uh, what's the kind of outdoorsy like there? You guys have a lot of. We've got some, yeah, some really nice country, certainly, uh, not too far away. Like um, a couple of hours drive, you've got you've got the highlands, mm-hmm. um, so big rolling hills. You've got lochs, which are you know beautiful lakes. Um, lots of gorgeous coastline. Yeah, and Scotland's quite weird. And the the um east coast is very populated. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go to the west coast, um, there's you know the population just nose nosedives dramatically. You've got very little small towns and villages, and you can be like a like a you know an hour away from from civilization. Oh, that's weird. Why? Yeah. I wonder why they um why everybody kind of populates on one side. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's possibly geography. Um, you got you got the mountainous bit in the middle, mm-hmm. and then you've got like it's very rocky coastline, and I guess there's mm-hmm. not much agriculture there. I, I'm I'm just guessing. Yeah, um, but on the east coast, you've got just... like rolling fields and things. Um, and it's you know flatter land, so I'm guessing mm-hmm. that's just where all the cities um sprouted kind of up. Rural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, America's weird. Like we'll just slap cities and towns in the old place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason for it. Yeah. Um, like I've the always, middle of the desert. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've always kind of um, uh, really admired um, the UK and 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 that uh, you know that part of the world. Just um, there's so much history and stuff there, and you know we have 
we have history here, but it, you know, it really only dates back so far. And a lot of yeah areas don't have any because they, you know, they sprouted up in the, you know, thirties or forties maybe or yeah. even later. Um I mean I, I live in a building which I think was built in uh eighteen ninety. Oh wow. And um here that's that's not unusual. It's certainly mm-hmm. part of Edinburgh. Um mm-hmm. that's quite that's quite typical. Um but as I understand it in the US um, that's very uncommon unless maybe you lived in certain parts of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but most, most other cities are much, much younger than that, aren't they? Yeah. So we've got, um, let me, let me think. So I don't remember this. I think this town I'm in was founded in like the, the twenties. Um, All right. and I could be, I could be wrong. So, um, but there's, there's some smaller Smaller towns kind of out that were founded in like the 1800s or late 1800s. Um, mm. And so some of those, some of those towns have um, like some older buildings, you mm. know, that, that they've like, they preserved or, you know, um, they've a lot of places, the, the older buildings are in like a town square. Mm-hmm. And so they've, they've tried to, you know, either renovate them and just, try to build up the town square to where it's, you know, more activity, you know, uh, like, uh, the one, the, the town square here in this town, they've, they've tried to, uh, you know, bring in some businesses so that it's, it's actually a, kind of a place to, to go, you know, there's mm-hmm. a couple of restaurants and things like that, but, right. um, most of the, like the real old historical buildings, they usually wind up with uh um what are they like trinket shops or not trinket but um like touristy places yeah 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 exactly <coughs> yeah yeah just kind of old old stuff um that you can go and and buy um antiques that's the word i was thinking of i don't know why i said trinket mm. that's such a weird word <laughs> <laughs> uh that's funny yeah. the um Town I grew up in is one of the um, um, oldest settlements, I think, in in Scotland. I think there was people there since eight hundred BC. Oh wow! Um, you know, at the time, I think it was like um, a Bronze Age type mm-hmm. of thing. But it's, but there's been like human beings living there together for like you know well over a couple of thousand years. Mm. Uh, yeah, that, a lot of history there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy uh, to think about that you actually have. Um, like I said, America, you know, we we only date back so far, but you know, it's it's weird thinking about um, some of the you know the places over there in the UK where mm. you know people have been there for more like a, you know thousand years or more. Yeah. Um, well, I think um, it depends what you mean by history. Obviously, you've got like Native American history, but I think sure, sure. Um, that's less well documented, and there's there's less. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's not much building surviving mm-hmm. since since that time. Um, yeah, true. But, oh, I mean, yeah. if mostly they. Uh, it was, I guess, they live more more nomadic anyway. Um, yeah. So yeah. not so. Not not so like you know. There's obviously history as far as um some documentation but it's not it's not as uh 
um, not as documented as, you know, writing it all down then. Yeah. Cause it's like an oral history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess, um, history doesn't come from a place, you know, it comes from a, a people. So I, I'm yeah. assuming that I'm just guessing actually that your ancestors, you said you were Scottish. So, um, your history is my history when you yeah. go back mm-hmm. far enough. So I think, you know, history, um, is not with the place it's with, with the people. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. that make sense? No, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, so uh, yeah, I did one of those those DNA tests. Um, oh yeah, and it was uh, I don't know. It was a mix. It was like Scottish, Irish, English, and German somehow. Um, right. It's it you know it's kind of weird, but um, <laughs> in in America, there's always I don't know. Everybody everybody's like, you know, oh we had a Native American ancestor, you know, mm. and all my life I'd heard you know about some grandparent or great grandparent or somebody in my family was, you know, Cherokee mm. and, uh, DNA test says negative. <laughs> negative. Well, <clears throat> it, it still might be true because, um, mm. it, it's not perfect that, you know, your native American genes, uh, might not have survived, but it still doesn't mean that one of your ancestors was, mm. could have been native American. I hadn't considered that actually. Yeah. It's like, was, you know, yeah. Yeah, I always thought that uh, the DNA tests were pretty, um, you know, pretty accurate. Like, I always thought they could pinpoint, you know. No, they're, they're, they're looking, for, um, looking for various markers which are known to have been in a particular region at a particular time. Mm. Um, but, you know, so you have a number of these markers in both parents and the, your offspring get some markers from one parent, some markers from another parent. Mm-hmm. So over the generations... Um, there might be no markers left for, you know, one part of your ancestry, but it doesn't oh. mean that you weren't descended from there. Interesting. So it's, it's a big estimate. I mean, I, I did one of these DNA tests, and <clears throat> for the most part, it's exactly what you'd expect. If you could see me right now, um, like yeah. Western, Northwestern Europe, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, like, I'm like pale, got red hair. Um, but I had 0.2% West African, which you would not have guessed. Mm-mm. looking at me so i think everyone's ancestry is way way more complicated than they think and if you go back mm-hmm. far enough mm-hmm. of course we all came out of africa so um you know our, our genes ultimately we come out you know from africa and we're essentially we're all we're all related we're all cousins mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah that's interesting i had not um i hadn't considered that that you know they they weren't all that um, that accurate. Uh, yeah. If, if you I, do different tests, you know, from different companies, mm-hmm. um, they might give you different results. It probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be, um, completely off. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll probably be like in the ballpark. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's not accurate. It, it is constantly changing. They're, they're trying to refine the markers, but it, oh, it's still, yeah. still very interesting. I think. What, uh, what, what kind of prompted you to take a DNA test, out of, just out of curiosity? It was literally that, just out of, um, out of curiosity. Um, <laughs> I also got my, my mother to do it, and I, there was a big shock, and oh. uh, I wasn't adopted. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. You're not adopted? My mother found that hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always, I've always joked, because I'm, I'm sort of the, the, the black sheep of my family, I guess. Um, 
the uh you know there's uh i come from a big family so i'm number four of seven boys right um wow yeah yeah and i don't know seven boys that must have been like a lot of rough and tumble growing up yeah it was it was um uh i think my parents i don't know they, they they like they had two kids and they took a long break um so my oldest brothers are actually uh well i'm 45 so my oldest brother is uh, in his 60s he's like 62 i think oh wow. and then and then my my second oldest brother is just a couple two three years under that so mm. um, but then then they had a cluster of of kids all together. a cluster <laughs> yeah <laughs> all kind of together uh congratulations it's a cluster <laughs> yeah <laughs> you've had a cluster <laughs> yeah uh yeah we had um there's uh there's i guess the other five of us are we're only maybe a couple years apart not not too much um yeah but um yeah so my um my brother craig i think he just kept trying to have a boy because he wound up having seven daughters oh right oh <laughs> they yeah. just give up yeah so it's it's really weird like how dna and and all that that kind of works yeah um, so se- seven brothers in your generation and your uh-huh. brother had seven daughters yeah yeah it's kind of wow. bizarre <laughs> and then one, one of my yeah. younger brothers he he has seven kids but one of them um was adopted from his uh, i guess his wife had a kid from a previous marriage mm. Mm. um but i mean he's had a mix he's had uh like you know three boys and three girls i guess mm. um so it's kind of weird Just... but um but yeah I, um so what uh what kind of like hobbies and stuff do you have outside of this do you do you read or um i, I guess you don't get the game much um no i don't get the game much um right now i don't have any hobbies except the startup mm-hmm. um i used to be a very avid photographer um oh, it's yeah. a wildlife photographer um i've been to a number of amazing companies uh, countries i've been to uh, indonesia mm. costa rica um been to finland um, you know, shooting wildlife. Yeah, yeah. And that's awesome. At the time, that was my passion. Um, but then you know, COVID hit, and then I uh, I got this this tech startup. Um, so <laughs> I haven't I haven't done any photography in such a long time. Yeah, you're probably pretty much uh, jammed up for time. Yeah, yeah. But I would like to get back into it. Um, you know, I don't think I think if you're want to be an interesting person you can't just do one thing and focus on that one thing mm-hmm. i think uh as much as i love what i'm doing at the moment mm-hmm. i think if it it's kind of soul destroying if that's all there is to me as an individual sure yeah so i would like to do something else mm-hmm. uh, at some point when things quieten down it's <laughs> it's unrelated something else i can just learn or you know just do for fun mm-hmm. you know if i'm not terribly good at it yeah, I mean, you know, it's always it's always good to do do stuff you like, you know, to to unwind. Um I've been in this this coding boot camp for the last um 4 or 5 weeks now and mm-hmm. um pretty much at this point eats up all my free time. Um, but yeah. Uh, 
you know, once it's over, I definitely want to get back to, to doing some other stuff. Um, this mm-hmm. is, this podcast has, has really been the, uh, the main thing I do for enjoyment. All right. Okay. I didn't, I didn't start it off as, you know, any kind of just, I just, you know, I just figured it, what the heck uh, I'd, uh, I thought about podcasting for a while and didn't know what I was going to talk about or, you know, anything mm. like that. And so, um, I was lit. I had started listening to some at work and I was, I think I was listening to some PHP podcasts and, um, there's, there's kind of a big one called PHP ugly and right. yeah, those guys are, those guys are a lot of fun. Um, so mm. there's like three of them and they just, they all work in PHP and, um, two of them run a company together and the other guy is kind of like the, the odd man out. He, you know, he's always working at different companies and, right. um, I've been listening to that and I'd gotten on, I, I think I pinged the, the main like host on Twitter and just said, Hey, I've been binging your podcast. It's really awesome. Um, and um i said it it kind of you know made me think about starting my own podcast and mm. and he was like well hey why don't i just come on your you know why don't we just get together and do an uh an audio call and you can post that as your first episode right awesome yeah yeah it was it was yeah. it was really fun and so i was like okay and so we we did that and i was super nervous um as I kind of, <laughs> I kind of am every time I talk to somebody new, but, right. um, but yeah, it was, I've, um, yeah, go ahead. I've, I've been a, a guest on podcast recently and it's, um, very recently and it's, it's because of, uh, my projects rich and, mm-hmm. and textual. Yeah. Prior to that, I hadn't done anything like a podcast before mm-hmm. and uh, I was, I was super nervous as well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I'm sure way more nervous than, than, than you ever were. Um, yeah, probably. But, yeah. That, that's, that's difficult for someone like me because I'm, I'm kind of an introvert. It's mm-hmm. not my nature to, um, be out there talking to new people. I tend to be just, um, working on my sure. projects. I mean, I like talking to people, but generally just the people in, in my, my little bubble in that I'm circle. familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But to go, to go out of that bubble, uh, and start talking about things to people like, I don't know, especially when I know that there's going to be other people that are going to be listening mm-hmm. after the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was super, super nervous. Um, yeah. It, but after a few times, you know, after a few iterations, um, you realize it's, oh, it's not so bad. It's just, uh, just talking. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just talking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, mm. that's kind of why I stick to this format. I don't, um, I really don't script anything. Um, and, mm. and, you know, I don't want it to come off as like, I'm interviewing, you know, like an interview mm. kind of a uh, situation. I know I've listened to a lot of podcasts and a lot of them do it that way. And, uh, that one I listened to you on, um, I kind of felt like they were grilling you, but a <laughs> L- little bit. Yeah. Was, yeah. Was, was that the change log? Yeah. Change just, log. Um, yeah. 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 Change log. Yeah. Yeah. And I, d- I did feel that I was on the, on the defense. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. After a while. Yeah. That, that was kind which, of, which is, which is fine. It's like, um, sure. That podcast is for people in tech and they're probably having these questions themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might, it might be good training, you know, I've, um, because I'm as the CEO, I'm going to have to, um, 
get funding mm-hmm. more funding eventually and it, and it might give me the opportunity to uh refine my pitch and understand what other people are are thinking right um but yeah it was it was um a bit more tense than than uh you know what we're doing at the moment yeah that, that's that's actually mm. i mean that's kind of how it came across to me it just seemed mm. i was like you know uh for me i um i ran across the change log because i was just i'd already binged out every other podcast that i normally listen to and i was just looking for something mm. tech related but you know um there's not not very many uh, elixir podcasts out there and i had uh exhausted all the php ones <laughs> right um so yeah I ran why did you choose um why did you choose elixir oh yeah so that's kind of a um it was actually this podcast that that brought that around so i've you know like i've been learning to code for a while um and i say learning because I've never got to a point where I felt like I'm a programmer, you know, Mm. I've never felt comfortable enough or felt like I was uh, good enough to apply for jobs or, you know, try to actually get work, you know, and I've, Mm. you know, I bought a bunch of Udemy courses and did, you know, (laughs) did, uh, did that kind of stuff. Um, And then um, I started this podcast and I, I had last year I'd run across a Elixir book and had done, you know, a little bit of it. And I really liked the, mm. I liked the syntax and I liked the idea of, um, you know, functional programming language. Mm. And I was kind of, but I, at that point in time, I'd kind of been kind of burnt out a little bit from trying to learn how to code. And so, and the book was slightly too technical for me. It it was written more for someone that had already had some years in development and mm-hmm. was just looking to make a switch or, you know, learn a different technology. And so I put it down, but, you know, I was looking for a podcast to listen to and I'm like, I wonder if there's some Elixir ones out there. And so I, I started, started listening to a couple episodes from several different podcasts and, uh, they were just, they were super technical podcasts. They weren't, Mm. you know, it wasn't for someone that was just looking to get into it. Um, and then I ran across this one called Elixir News and, uh, the guy on there, Brooklyn Myers, um, made, uh, he had come to Elixir and was just, you know, he, he worked in JavaScript, you know, he's, um, he was a developer. Um, but, uh, he just, I guess was just looking to learn something new and had found mm-hmm. Elixir. And so he started documenting his process and, um, and, um, you know, he, he'd had the podcast for a couple of years and he was hired by a prominent, um, elixir company dockyard to build a right. um a boot camp um okay so, so they're they're building out this uh this boot camp and i was like oh you know i want i'm really interested in learning about you know his elixir for one and mm-hmm. you know i wanted to ask him about how you know 
one of those uh one of those things that just struck my interest that you know it's kind of a unique project and i kind of wanted to learn a little bit more about it so i hit him up on twitter and he he uh he came on the podcast um, nice yeah so i interviewed him for the podcast and then i um i told him later he he told me that he was running a beta test on on the curriculum and i was like oh you know i think i want to try that out so you know he got me in the discord and i got set up with the curriculum and i was going through it and um i don't know it just it just kind of like it clicked for me um mm -hmm. the, the language and the um i just i really really liked it a lot and um, you you might find that um, you know it's um, d different languages have different ways of working, and and some of them fit people's brains better than others. Mm -hmm. um, maybe Elixir just fits your brain better mm. regarding how things work. I mean, I came to Python through other languages, yeah, um, through C, C plus plus, and when I got to Python, I realized that this is this fits my brain better than other languages. Um, so maybe. Maybe Elixir is your your thing for whatever reason. Right. Um, it makes more logical sense to mm -hmm. you than other languages. I mean, there certainly there were the languages which I wouldn't touch because for some reason, um, I can't I can't fit them into my brain anymore. Yeah, I mean that's that's an interesting thought because you know, I, and I've kind of I've kind of thought this for a while, but you know, listening to a lot of programmers, they always act like, um. I mean, and I guess in some aspects it's true. You can kind of pick up any language and work in it, right? Um, hmm. But at least that's the that's the, uh, the thought process, or that's the you know that's what's said. Um, but I I struggle really bad with JavaScript trying to um, I don't know. I couldn't make sense of it. Um, hmm. I had a lot a lot of trouble with it, but Java actually made a lot more sense to me. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe it's the structure. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, J Java is more structured, more, more formal. Mm -hmm. Um, JavaScript, um, is, I think is too, too chaotic and, and, yeah. um, it's, you know, it can give, it gives you a lot of freedom, but it's too much freedom. Mm. It, you want it to help you to, um, tell you how to, how to write your code, mm -hmm. but JavaScript gives you, um, just you know enough rope to shoot yourself in the foot <laughs> uh, too free <laughs> yeah okay yeah. that's funny and that's that's kind of true yeah um but yeah so that that was kind of what led me to elixir i just um i decided i wanted to i was just gonna you know go all in on on the uh, boot camp and i i told brooke that and um and uh me and another student kind of were in the same mindset. We both said, Hey, we want to, we would just want to go through this. Like it's the, like it's the actual boot camp. you know, it's a, it's mm. a good opportunity. And so, uh, he decided to, to teach the whole thing, you know, from day one to wherever the ends at. Um, mm. and, uh, so, but I mean, the, the great thing is, um, through that, uh, we've also gotten mentorship, not just from Brooke, but, um, 
there's a couple other developers in there that are just kind of given their time. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I have, I have two weekly sessions with a, with another developer. Um, you know, we're currently setting up a, you know, project to kind of work through and um, mm. uh, hopefully a, a job comes out of it <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Well, that, that's terrific. I think it, it could very well do. I mean, um, but my, you know, I, I dropped out of uni- university mm. um, and I got a job because of, because I was developing video games in my spare time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my career has been like that. All my skills um, have been learned um, by working on various hobby projects. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't go to uni- university to learn Python. I learned it because I was interested. I didn't get this. Um, I didn't become a CEO of a startup, <laughs> you know, by working towards something. It just started out as a hobby project. If you do something um, for the love of it, um, good things tend to come out of it eventually, more than you might expect. Mm. At least that's my experience. Yeah, yeah, that that's a really good, uh, really good thought, um, and um, that's that's definitely my hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it has, it's been, it's been really good. Um, I had a, uh, uh, a, well, I interacted with a guy on Twitter. Um, at the time, he was a, a VP for a uh, a large company in the U.S. Um, Discovery Plus. Um, they, right. they uh, I don't know, you've probably heard of them, maybe, but um, they have like that. A street, it's a streaming platform. I think Warner is the is the main company, but um. All right, is that the Discovery Channel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He mm, he yeah, yeah. he was over there. There, um, basically, I guess they worked on a lot of the Roku platform. Um, All right, nice. And so we got the we got talking. He came on the podcast. Actually, even before he came on the podcast, uh, I think I had to cancel on him once. <laughs> it's bad timing, but um, he uh, he. He was getting ready to uh, leave his job, um, so I caught him at kind of a a strange point in his life, I guess. Um, mm. He was just ready to, you know, move on and do something different. He'd been there for 25 years and, um, you know. Same company for 25 years? Yeah, same company. Um, wow. That's, that's kind of rare. Um, well, I mean, I, I, guess it's, I guess it's not super rare. Um, but I, I've I've not had that mindset of hanging out at a at one company for a long time. But I've never actually worked a job where I was doing what I loved. So I think that mm. that makes a big difference. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, when you when you when you do something like really interesting, or that has a lot of interesting things going on that you can get involved in, I think that yeah. I think it's that, really hard to find that these days, and I think um, yeah. there's lots of incentives to move on, find a new job. Mm-hmm. Um, like often, it's the only way to get a raise. Yeah. Um. So a lot of people in tech, in particular, um, are moving on after two or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, because they know if they jump ship, they can get like a twenty, thirty percent raise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So to find a position that um is interesting enough and 
you know that the pay rises as you would expect is, is very rare yeah these days i think yeah i agree with you um i think that's that's kind of part of the reason you know so it's i don't know if it's a catch 22 but it's like um you know devs want more money um but companies don't want to give them more money mm. so the devs leave and then the companies complain that they can't keep devs yeah uh. yeah <laughs> i mean I'm, I, I'm starting to think about these issues they're not things which occurred to me <clears throat> previously mm-hmm. but you know a small number of developers um we have we can offer them stock options but i know from my experience that stock options won't keep developers in a in a company mm. that they you know like working for mm-hmm. and tend to pay off after a long time i mean some companies that offer stock options um as soon as those stock options mature <laughs> the the uh, employees leave in in a, in a huge wave once they've got that money oh yeah so i've been trying to think it, you know how do i keep developers how do i keep keep them happy mm-hmm. um so that they don't leave after three or four years and take all those valuable skills with them because right. uh you know if we're small and and three developers leave mm-hmm. um that would really hurt hurt the business yeah if you're multinational and three developers leave then that's that's nothing but right um, i could really hurt a startup so i'm trying to think what can i do to ensure that my developers want to stick around for like more than three years and you know hopefully five ten years or or as long as they need to yeah yeah that's uh that's a good point um and that's i guess that's definitely something that you you'd have to think about not um probably not something that you'd ever considered before since no i considered it from the point of view of an employee Mm -hmm. um i would understand you know when i've left the company i understand why i left the company um but i've only got like a sample set of one (laughs) yeah um so it's like why do people in general leave the company i mean it it might be simple Mm -hmm. um pay is a big thing you know i think uh i think pay should rise sorry oh yeah no yeah i agree Mm. with you i think yeah Mm. pay is definitely one of them uh i think boredom is another one boredom yeah i mean i'm that that's a big one for me. Uh, when I'm when I'm bored, um, boredom for me is painful. <laughs> it's like, uh, mm-hmm. um, it's you know, I'm I'm a good employee when I'm interested. I'm focused. I put in more time and I do a lot of work. But when I'm bored, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I don't give my employer my my best work. Sure. Um, because I, I I can't focus on the thing that I found so tedious. Um, so, you know, as a CEO, I'm thinking, how can I make sure that my developers are got something to work on that interests them? Mm-hmm. I think that, um, that tech is unique in that aspect because, you know, most jobs like, uh, take my current job, which, you know, I, uh, I, w- I won't say I enjoy it, you know, but it's, mm-hmm. You know, it pays me okay, and you know, I, mm-hmm. I can pay my bills. And um, what it what it does give me is time because I only work three days a week, um, mm-hmm. but I get paid for roughly uh, forty, if if you break mm-hmm. it down. But um, mm-hmm. 
it's uh, it's not something that I enjoy. It's something that I just do, you know. Yeah. Um, and most people, I think, are in similar positions. Mm-hmm. Certainly, most of my career, um, you know, my job was just just a way to um pay the bills and put a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. And if something better came along, um, I would probably jump ship. I think that uh, most people are in that position and I think employers should, you know, start to you know, start to appreciate that from a employee's point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um and you know, you see a lot of stuff on LinkedIn and Twitter about about employees. Your employers treating their employees better and things like that. And mm. um I, I think tech is definitely People, you know, programmers are in a unique position in that they get to choose what they, I mean, they don't get to choose everything they work on, you know. Mm. Um, but once you're kind of in, you're more likely to be able to find something else if you get bored. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. or you can, you know, work on your own stuff if you get bored. You know, you have the skills, you can, you know. You can build stuff on the side. Um, yeah. And I mean, obviously you can do that with anything, but um, maybe not necessarily related to your field. Like, you know, I'm not going to go out and, and start building stuff and, you know, uh, mix my own plastic. And <laughs> uh, right. I work, I work at a medical, uh, a, a medical um, manufacturing company. We make uh, oh, okay. uh, saline bags and, film and things like that for medical uses Uh, um so yeah i'm not working as a programmer yet but (laughs) um but uh but yeah you know um if if i get i'd say boredom is probably like one of the biggest reasons i've i've left jobs i think i just get Mm kind of between between lack of money and um if you if you don't have the option to pick what you work on or work on interesting things, the only other thing tying people to jobs is money, I think, mm, and yep. and benefits, obviously. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, so you know we have people that are working there. They've been there, you know, some of them work there in twenty five, thirty years and retire, um, mm-hmm. and you know, and so I'm thinking, well, the only reason they did that was because money and benefits because it's not, yeah. it's not interesting work. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's mm. pretty boring as far as that goes. So, <sighs> but yeah. Um, so, uh, I guess we're, we're reaching kind of the end of our, our time, but, um, mm. anything you want to, you want to shout out or I'm Aside from textual, um, no, I'm kidding. You can talk about textual if you want. <laughs> yeah, um, not really. I, th- I think we've uh, we, we've covered it. Um, I think it's easy to find textual if if you're interested. You can go to um, textualize spelled with a Z dot io, and uh, all the information's there. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on the project and maybe touch base with you in a few months and see how things are going and um mm. and maybe we can do like a follow-up or something if you want if you'd be interested yeah yeah that sounds good we'll talk about more uh 
Scottish weather. Um, we'll compare uh, the weather in Scotland to the weather in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, take bites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, man. Sounds good. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, and um, I'll catch up with you soon, hopefully. Cool. It's been fun. Thanks, Drew. It's yeah, been, man. Been nice chatting. Thank you. You've been listening to episode 11 of the Citizen Coder Podcast. If you'd like to connect with Will McGugan and learn about his project Textual, you can reach out to him on Twitter. Link is in the show notes. If you like what I'm doing and you want to sponsor the show, you can reach out to me at info at citizencodercast.com or message me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Links for everything else we mentioned are also in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and as always, I'll see you next time.